When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Russell Wilson, the Denver Broncos went out and got him, and now he is their franchise quarterback. Broncos country, let's ride. They're gonna throw it. Now the pass is intercepted. It's been a storm. It's been a storm all year. Not not what we not what we hoped for. Not what we dreamed for. Wilson with the end zone jump ball, the third interception of the day. I got to be better. You know, I let the team down tonight. He didn't play up to his standard. Didn't play up to our standard. He needs to be better. Some interesting reporting to get to on Russ and his time with the Seahawks. That's coming your way in just a minute. Welcome to NFL Live, everybody. You see him right there. Mina Kimes, Ryan Clark, Jeff Darlington here with you for the hour later. The quarterback in this year's draft who reminds some GMs of Josh Allen. We'll get to that. But first, according to a report from The Athletic, Russell Wilson asked Seahawks ownership in February of 2022 to fire Pete Carroll and GM John Schneider with hopes that the team would hire Sean Payton to be the new coach. Instead, Wilson, of course, traded to Denver in March, where now, after a year, Payton is his head coach. Russell Wilson took to Twitter this morning, responded to the story, saying, I love Pete, and he was a father figure to me, and John believed in me and drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All any of us wanted was to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. Let's get right into it, Jeff. What else do we know about the situation? Well, Laura, I can tell you any divorce is going to have these types of situations where you do have both sides maybe with the way their view of how things went down. Ultimately, I remember a couple of years ago it feeling like this relationship was headed eventually to its eventual and inevitable end. When Russell Wilson put out through his agent publicly the five teams that he would play for, in the event of a trade. At that point, the Chicago Bears were one of those teams. Uh, uh, the Chicago Bears were willing to entertain the possibility of it. The Seahawks were willing to engage in talks, and all of a sudden, it just sort of dissipated. And the point in that is that even then, two years ago, that when everybody seemed like they were able to get on the same page with the eventual direction of Russell Wilson's future, it still never really had the right synergy. This doesn't surprise me at all that this would come out now. The only thing I'd say is, there's a lot of people in Seattle that are kind of rolling their eyes like, yeah, we've been down this road. We lived it. So they're not necessarily looking to rehash things, but it definitely was not something that ended well between them and Russell Wilson. Welcome to the offseason. This is about, right, we had Russell Wilson two off-seasons ago list the teams that he would want to go to. People aren't listing yeah. teams that you want to go to if everything's great. If I love the coach, if I love the GM, if they love me, if everything about the locker room is going exactly as planned, like, this is old news. Now, what is news today is the fact that the Seattle Seahawks said, if that was the case, we're going to keep John. We're going to keep Pete. We're mm. going to let Russell Wilson go. Seemingly a mistake right. at the time because for 10 years, Russell Wilson has been everything you needed to be at the quarterback position for Seattle, both on and off the field. 
But wait, 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 wait. There's more. The Seattle Seahawks, at least for a year, are right. Pete Carroll knew something about Russell Wilson, the way he conducted himself in the locker room, the way he led, that we didn't know. You go to Denver, you have those issues. He knew something about Geno Smith that we didn't know. He turned into a Pro Bowl caliber player. And so when you look at all those things, I don't believe the story is about Russell Wilson wanting them to get fired. Quarterbacks are mercurial people. They're strange. They feel like they're bigger than the organization. But what we do know is this. Seattle made that choice, and at least for now, it's the right choice. You know, I just go back to being <laughs> at Seattle preseason for a game and Pete Carroll and company saying, yeah, we're really excited to have Geno Smith. We're really excited to turn the page. We weren't sure if some of that was phony at the time. Now it feels like it makes a lot of sense. Mina, whatever you make of the situation in Seattle, right, the drama continued to play out after Russ was traded to Denver last season. What went wrong? Yeah. Well, I actually think if you're a Broncos fan, you read this piece and you feel pretty good. Not about the description of the dynamic between Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett, who are almost more equals than coach and quarterback, or Wilson being sort of managerial, I suppose, is how I would describe it with regards to his teammates, according to the reporting in the piece. But you feel good about it because your team made the right decision they hired Sean Payton, not just because, as, yeah. as the piece lays out, apparently Russell Wilson has always yearned for Sean Payton to be his coach, which I didn't know, but I guess makes sense with the, the Breeze relationship. But because that dynamic that I alluded to, the one between Hackett and Russell Wilson, the one that didn't work because they were more equals, there wasn't truly a hierarchy, folks, that is not going to happen with Sean Payton. The Broncos went out and they brought in not only one of the most talented play callers in recent NFL history, but a true authority figure so mm. you read this article if you're a Broncos yeah. fan and you say well we did the right thing when it came to going out and paying big for our head coach you know Mina you mentioned the tie-in with Drew Brees and remember Drew Brees was interviewed about Russ and the Sean Payton pairing and he said yeah. look I think it's going to work out really well because I've even told Russ he's going to have to listen to Payton and follow his lead all right let's get to Lamar Jackson who still has no new deal with the Ravens as we barrel toward the franchise tag deadline March 7th one source told our Jeremy Fowler that just a couple months ago the idea of a trade felt impossible but now it's different. Quote, it feels like anything is possible. Fowler and the Ravens reporter Jamison Henley wrote an article yesterday that read in part, Jackson wants a fully guaranteed deal in line with the five-year, $230 million contract the Cleveland Browns gave Deshaun Watson in March. The Ravens, meanwhile, are balking at guaranteeing the full amount, according to team sources. Jackson turned down a five-year, $250 million contract in September that included $133 million guaranteed. That's the important clarification. Far less than Watson's deal, but more than guaranteed figures awarded to Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray last offseason. So if no deal gets done, then the franchise tag will come into play here, right? And on his podcast this week, Adam Schefter explained that a non-exclusive tag is also an option here. Listen to this. The non-exclusive franchise tag would mean that other teams could sign into an offer sheet that the Ravens would have the chance to match. And if they did not match, they then would get two first-round draft picks in return. I know some people think the exclusive tag is more likely I don't know if the Ravens want to venture into that financial territory if there's another team out there that is willing to create an offer sheet that Lamar Jackson is willing to sign. And if the Ravens want to match it, they can. If not, they take two ones. All right, so some of this jargon is a little nitty-gritty. But, Jeff, what exactly is the non-exclusive right. franchise tag? 
Well, you heard the way that Adam laid it out there. The non-exclusive essentially allows another team to kind of poach Lamar Jackson by giving up two first-round picks, signing him to an offer sheet, and pulling him away from the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens would have the chance to match that offer sheet. But I think that what fans really need to understand here when it comes to these two tags, the Baltimore Ravens do have a tricky decision to make here. But it's not ultimately about adding, signing him to a tag or, or putting a tag on him with the idea that he's going to play on that tag in 2023. I don't think that anybody really envisions that happening. This is more about a stopgap to either a long-term deal, which we continue to discuss, or a potential tag and trade to another team. Hmm. The non-exclusive does come with interesting nuance from the standpoint that it allows Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to find out what other teams think about Lamar Jackson. Are they willing to give up two first-round picks? How much money are they willing to offer? Will it be fully guaranteed? It is a risk. It is a calculated risk if the Ravens do go that, that route. But you could make a case in this situation for either tag, nuances aside. This is such a fascinating decision for Baltimore and for Lamar Jackson. But looking yes. at it from the Ravens side, as Jeff laid out, if they were to go the route of the non-exclusive tag, with, by the way, the belief that Lamar Jackson's probably not going to play on that tag, there's, of course, the benefit of the cheaper salary. Um, essentially, you know, there are some— I think benefits and downsides that come with that. The benefit is, as Jeff described, you do get to see how the market values. He sees where the market values him, and mm -hmm. that can be a useful, um, you know, either a benchmark for the Ravens if they opt to match that, or potentially, um, you know, it could be too much for them, so they'd have to make that decision. The risk I would say that they do run is it's possible that they might be able to get more for him in a trade than the two first if there was right, a team yeah. out there willing to give him the kind of guaranteed the money he wants and trade more than that so uh, that's something i would be a little bit concerned about if i was baltimore and then the other risk and i'll throw this out there too is how this might affect lamar jackson's thinking how he feels hmm. about the franchise the fact that they're willing yeah. to go a route that just does not happen this does not happen guys in the nfl with quarterbacks um you know they're at this point because there is a lot of reluctance clearly on the part of the organization to give him the kind of guaranteed contract they want and if they really feel that way this does make some sense to me yeah this makes sense to me if you're so far apart in negotiations that there's no way to sit down at a table mm -hmm. and bring those sides closer. I'm going to take you down memory lane, right? To people when you had house phones, when you had to be like, you had to call the house and you had to say, hey, Miss Robin, may I speak to Yanka? And then she'd <laughs> walk the phone down the hall and give the phone to Yanka, right? So there was something back in the day called three-way calls. Sounds personal. What happened would be like, say you were talking to like one girl, yeah. right? But she heard through the grapevine, you were talking to another girl. And then mm. you lied to the one girl and you said, no, boo, I'm not talking to her what she'd say would be well call her on three-way and i'm gonna be quiet essentially that's what the baltimore ravens <laughs> would be doing if they put the non-exclusive tag on it they would be saying okay we've heard so much he say oh, uh, she him. say we don't know who's on what side this much guaranteed money not this okay now we're gonna let it play out publicly we'll have a team that can assign you to an offer sheet and we get an opportunity to match there is no more investigation there is no 
no more leaks from this side or that side. Now we know. But what the Baltimore Ravens have to be willing to do is something the Buffalo Bills won't do with Josh Allen, something the Kansas City Chiefs would never do with Patrick Mahomes, something I don't ex anticipate seeing the Cincinnati Bengals do with Joe Burrow, which is say to them, I'm okay with losing you. We know that quarterbacks are a different breed from the rest of the team. If the Baltimore Ravens are willing to go this route, this shows me that negotiations-wise, there is no way these two sides come together. It's a fascinating situation that we'll be watching play out. And by the way, I realize mm -hmm. one of the big differences between RC Follow and me is the three-way call that I had was I was just worried my brother might be on the line. So that, that was all I had to be concerned about. But anyway, <laughs> we're just getting started here on NFL Live, guys. The Rams have parted ways with veteran linebacker Bobby Wagner. Does this mark the start of a rebuild? Here why RC thinks the timing just isn't right. Plus, our draft expert Matt Miller joins to talk the NFL draft. He'll tell you how drastically opinions differ about quarterback Anthony Richardson and why Mina is going to point out Richardson made some of the decisions decisions that he did she'll explain that's all coming your way next on NFL live we'll be right back this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets pizza the number one pick in Detroit style pizza why it's simple Jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country there's no competition Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. Glad you're with us on NFL Live. Let's read and react to some of the biggest news around the NFL right now. We start with Washington, where they introduced Eric Bieniemy as their new offensive coordinator this week. His new quarterback, Sam Howell, talked about the OC yesterday. Take a listen. We have weapons here, um, and so I'm super excited for him to come in here and just try to use the guys the best we can. It's just my job to try to get the ball to him. Just hearing him today, he's exactly the man I thought he would be, um, and, and he, he brings a lot of confidence and a lot of energy. You can just tell from just sitting here and listening to his press conference. Um, so you can just tell he's an awesome leader of men, um, and I'm, I'm super excited to have the opportunity to work with him. Jeff, is how old the guy in Washington? You know, Ron Rivera has really made no qualms about it. He's saying that Sam Howell will be our quarterback week one of this coming season, and you kind of have to believe him. It's not 
fair to sit here and say, well, how will be Eric the enemy's next Patrick Mahomes? No, that's not where this team is trying to go right now with this. It's baby steps. But ultimately, I do believe that they're willing to give Sam Howell the chance at least through this offseason to see if he's capable of being the starter in Washington. Next up, Denver, where new head coach Sean Payton made a decision on his quarterback coach. 28-year-old Davis Webb will be the QB coach for 34-year-old Russell Wilson. RC, what do you make of that decision by Payton? Davis Webb must be some sort of backup quarterback genius. He must be the Doogie Hauser of backup quarterbacks. This guy got offered a job last year. Now he gets another job offer. I know it's not based on how he plays on the field, so it must be something that someone have noticed, has noticed in Davis Webb since he left Texas Tech that's going to make him great for a locker room, great for a quarterback room, and one of those future coaches we start calling a baby genius. He was with the Giants, Daniel Jones, last year. All right, let's go to L.A., where the Rams have agreed to release linebacker Bobby Wagner, and Wagner was named a second-team All-Pro this season recording 140 tackles six sacks two interceptions only two other players have hit all those marks in a season in the last 20 years those were Levante David and Shaquille Leonard Mina what will the market look like for Wagner yeah, you know, I, I think Wagner showed that he still has a lot left in his tank last year in Los Angeles, playing in some pretty difficult circumstances, by the way, with the injuries on that defense. Still a really stout tackler, excellent in run defense. So along those lines, oh, I'll also add, by the way, really useful as a blitzer. I look to teams like Philadelphia, um, Seattle, a reunion might be in the cards. Mm -hmm. And then I would look across town, the Chargers. That is a team where I think they could really use his steadying force in the middle of the field. Let's continue with the Rams. They're hoping quarterback Matthew Stafford bounces back from a season-ending neck injury, but do have all kinds of financial problems to deal with as well. The Rams clearly looking for ways to clear cap space, as you see there with Wagner. Los Angeles currently projected $13.8 over the cap for the 2023 season. This, however, does not include Wagner's release, which does save $5 million for the team unless it's a designated post-June 1st release which would save them $8 million, so something to look for there. But, Mina, given all that, kind of feels like this could be a rebuild in L.A. Is that what's going on here? You know, it certainly felt that way this past season, which for the Rams was like waking up after a crazy party, right? <laughs> and you went a little hard, and your head's hurting, and there's pizza boxes, and you can't find your pants, and you just have to reckon with everything that happened the night before. Some of it was bad luck, some of it was injuries, but a lot of it was the decisions they made to go all in and win the Super Bowl. And guess what? It paid off. But as you just pointed out, Laura, now now here comes the bill. I think we're this gets a little bit tricky is the Rams still have really good players. Matthew Stafford comes back, yes. Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Aaron, like none of these guys played last mm. season. Then we'll see what happens with Jalen Ramsey yeah. as well. So I, I feel like they're almost in kind of like an in-between zone where they're not going to completely rebuild, but it is a bit of a reset. And along those lines, they need to find value and they need some of their young players to step up and be contributors if they want to compete because they don't have a lot of room to work with or a lot of draft picks. Yeah, I think Mina hit it right on the head with the way that she talked about this roster and where this team is. You also have to think about where their head coach is. The last two offseasons, we've spoken about mm. Sean McVay possibly moving on from being the coach of this team. And so is he going to want to stay for a rebuild? Or if you're Les Snead, if you're the Los Angeles Rams, are you thinking to yourself, let's try to run it back one more time with all of these players, all of these veteran guys, these all pros that we went all in with and 
won the Super Bowl, and if not, let Sean McVay move on, and that's when we start the rebuild. Because you'd have to think, as you bought all of these players wholesale, and once you knew what type of commodity they were, you'll have to get rid of them much in the same way. And so if you're the Rams, you're kind of stuck in between that double dutch of, do I jump inside the rope and risk the rope hitting my calf muscle and tearing my skin off, or do I go all in one more time and try to win the double Graphic. dutch championship? Man, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. I, I will say this. There was a really interesting interview that Jordan Rodriguez, reporter for The Athletic, did with Sean McVay. He admitted a lot of fault on himself, almost saying that sometimes his passion for coaching got in the way a little bit last season. He did some introspective work to maybe be a little bit better coming up. All right, new on NFL Live. This is interesting from Adam Schefter. The Chiefs promoted Matt Nagy to offensive coordinator. Mina, of course, remember his time with the Bears. Then he was with the Chiefs last season. He's now their OC. What do you think? You know, sometimes guys can have lack of success as a head coach. Obviously, that was the case in Chicago, but um, they belong in a certain role. Matt Nagy came from Kansas City. He had success there. He returned there. Again, he had success there. So it's not too surprising that they would continue this relationship, which is clearly um, something that Patrick Mahomes endorses as well. Guys, duh, <laughs> anybody can be the offensive coordinator in Kansas City. That's why Eric B. Enemy doesn't have a job. Duh. Like, who cares that Matt Nagy's the offensive coordinator? Andy Reid does everything, right? Because Eric B. Enemy can't get a job because Andy Reid does everything. So Matt Nagy, Doug Peterson, whoever it is, they can do that job. But for real, I think it makes sense. Right, you now stay familiar. You're with someone that's comfortable <laughs> with the system and somebody that's been in that building year after year, not only working with Andy Reid, but also last year working with Patrick Mahomes. Ryan Clark, you are a national treasure and continue to prove it every day on television and off. <laughs> Up next on NFL Live, we welcome in our draft expert, Matt Miller, as we dive into the top names in this year's NFL draft. He'll answer all of our questions, including if running back Bijan Robinson is worth a first-round pick Find out what he thinks after the break. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. I'm a little bit higher on these quarterback prospects, but I think there's four that are probably likely to go in the top half of the first round because they all do have immense potential. He's the most polarizing player in this entire draft. 
Travis puts it right on the money. Touchdown! Delivers a shot to the end zone. Touchdown! The magic of Bryce Young. Thought he was going to flip it out. Stays alive. Richardson leapfrogs a defender out of bounds. He's the, the most exciting player in this draft. We've got ESPN draft analyst Matt Miller with us today, so let's take a closer look at his top four quarterbacks for the 2023 draft. We start with Alabama's Bryce Young, who sits atop Miller's QB rankings, and he's followed by C.J. Stroud over there from Ohio State, the only Big Ten quarterback to ever throw 40 touchdowns in multiple seasons. Then it's Kentucky's Will Levis. He's seeking to join Tim Couch as the only Wildcats quarterbacks to be selected in the first round in the common draft era. And number four on Miller's QB rankings may be one of the most polarized prospects in Anthony Richardson and many believe the Gators quarterback has huge upside but there are significant accuracy concerns only four QBs have been selected in the first round in the last 25 drafts with a sub 55 completion percentage Richardson looking to make that number five so let's see the man behind the mock and that would be Matt Miller so glad to have you with us here Matt and let's start with the positives you've spoken with a bunch of people around the NFL why do some teams seem to love Anthony Richardson yeah, Laura, I mean, there's a lot to like with Anthony Richardson. I think it all starts with the size profile. I can remember being taught early in my career, size is a trait for quarterbacks. And at 6'3", 235 pounds, he has elite size. We see the running ability that is fantastic. I mean, there's plays against Utah in the opener where I mean, he's just leaving people in the dirt, but he's also powerful to run over guys. And this play right here, I mean, that's Patrick Mahomes type stuff. To have the strength, the presence of mind, to be able to throw the way that he does. The arm strength's fantastic. You know, I talked to one general manager who said, this guy doesn't have a ceiling. There's no physical limitation that you would look at like Bryce Young, who's six foot tall, 190 pounds, or CJ Stroud with his scheme. Will Levis with his decision-making. Anthony Richardson's traits mean that he really has no ceiling as a quarterback prospect. Now, on the flip side, some teams do have major concerns. So what is their hesitation with Richardson, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys saw the list. Those quarterbacks that are under 55%, not great NFL quarterbacks. And I, I think it all starts there with the really the discussion within your front office and coaching staff of, can you fix accuracy? Everyone points back to Josh Allen of, Hey, look, we cleaned this guy's footwork up. We made him into a great, you know, Super Bowl caliber quarterback. I think the, the question is with Anthony Richardson, can you do that? He only started 13 games in college. So we're talking about more of a Trey Lance type of quarterback in terms of he's thrown under 400 passes. He hasn't seen a lot from defenses. So you do have questions about processing speed. You have questions about what you just what has he seen in terms of the snap count and the actual passes that he's thrown because those first two years of Florida, he, they were just trotting him out there to run the ball. He wasn't throwing it. So I think there's there's a lot of hesitation about trying to put Anthony Richardson on the field right away. Yeah, the point of what was around him at Florida, a huge one. Matt, stay there. We're coming right back to you. Yeah. Mina, you've watched a bunch of Anthony Richardson's tape. What do you make of him? You know, the best way I would describe it is he has a fair amount of flaws to his game, but then he's so talented that he compensates for those flaws in really unique ways. For example, um, accuracy. A lot of that stems from his footwork, which can be a bit wonky. There's mechanical issues, but... His arm strength and arm talent, ability to make platform throws is so insane that there's moments where the footwork almost doesn't even matter. Another thing, he holds on to the football for too long. I think the longest of any of these prospects. But he's so evasive, he actually has a pretty low sack rate, which is very important. And then Matt talked about the inexperience, which definitely shows up on tape. But 
his natural abilities and the fact that he can learn on the fly and create also shows up on tape. My feeling is, for Anthony Richardson, it's really going to be about the destination. It's going to take a team that not only has the belief and willingness to address those flaws, but the time in the right situation. And if he lands in the right situation, it could be really special. I mean, when you watch Anthony Richardson, it's like when you watch the best Little League player play, right? And the coach doesn't really tell him nothing. He just tosses him the ball. He puts him at quarterback, and he says, go be better than everybody else that's on the field. And we watch Anthony Richardson do that. You're going to hear two names associated with Anthony Richardson throughout this process. You're going to hear Josh Allen because of the immense talent, the ability to run, the size, the arm strength, the arm talent. Then you're going to hear Trey Lance because you're going to speak about the inexperience. Here's a big difference between Anthony Richardson and both of those dudes. Both of those dudes were men amongst, amongst boys at North Dakota and Wyoming. <laughs> Anthony Richardson played at Florida. And he didn't play at Florida with Jaquez and Redell and Fred Taylor. He played at Florida with some other dudes that I don't know. And when he played at Florida, he was still a man amongst boys playing against a lot of other dudes that are going to hear their name called on the same exact night he hears his called. So here's the thing. The same way somebody moved up to three to get Trey Lance, somebody's going to move up and get Anthony Richardson. The same way the yeah. Buffalo Bills thought at seven, Josh Allen was too good to pass up, we're going to see the same thing happen with Anthony Richardson. You, know, you guys did a great job of illustrating the positive physical traits and then also some of the concerns. But I think something that may not be out there as much about Anthony Richardson is the mental side of the game, which he is excelling at and has been for a while. It's something that I think maybe has gotten lost in the shuffle the way that he sees football, the way that he's committed to it. He doesn't have a ton of experience. But I think a lot of teams, when they talk to him, are going to be impressed by the way that he looks at football. So we'll continue to keep our eye on that. But time for a round of Ask Matt, where we can ask him about any draft topic on our minds. RC, you get to go first. I get to go first. Okay, Matt, you know I'm a DB at heart, so I have to ask you this question. You have the long-rangey Witherspoon from Illinois, Gonzalez from Oregon, also Joey Porter Jr. at Penn State. They're like a long and, you know, stretched type of corners. And you also have Branch from Alabama. When you look at those four guys who seem to be the cream of the crop, what would be the determining factor in who comes off of the board first? I think scheme, Ryan. Honestly, you know, you look at the, some of these guys. I like Devon Witherspoon the best. I think he's just sticky in coverage. He uses that length well despite being a little bit skinny at yeah. 180 pounds. But I think scheme is going to matter just right. like it did last year when Stingley went three and Sauce Gardner went after that. And a lot of people were confused, but it went back to scheme. The Texans wanted that man coverage corner, so they went with Stingley. I think that's what it yep. will be this year. And Witherspoon, to me, is a top 10 prospect. can imagine he gets by Philly at 10. I think he'd be a great fit for them there. Mina, your turn to ask Matt. I'm going to go in a similar direction, but with the wide receivers who I've been watching and Matt, I've been having trouble ranking them or deciding if there's a clear number one. You've got Same. TCU Quentin Johnson, who's enormous and fast, but doesn't have the best hands. Jordan Addison, slippery, but a little slight. Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's like good at everything and solid, but I don't know if he's truly special. Do you have a sense that any of these guys has emerged as a number one amongst teams? Yeah, I think as of now, a lot's going to change next week when we're in India watching these guys run. But I think Jordan Addison from USC is right now the consensus. Ooh. I mean, he was great at Pitt with, you know, not a great quarterback situation, yeah. won the bullet at Cough Award. Then he goes to USC, and his numbers actually went down in a better offensive system with a better quarterback. 
I think we all were too busy like watching Caleb Williams be great that we <laughs> forgot Jordan Addison's also amazing. I, I'll tell you this, people talk about him being small, <laughs> so like maybe true. he's a slot only. I don't see that. I think he could be a Deshaun Jackson type player that Ooh. you see the ability after the catch. He's got vertical wheels. Mm. He tracks the ball well. Wow. Mina, so if you're if you're looking for a compliment for DK Metcalf as Tyler Lockett gets older, I think Jordan Ooh. Addison's your guy. I love it. Um, <laughs> Matt, I think I'm about to commit a draft crime here, but I think Bijan Robinson should be a running back that could be worth even to be taken within the top 10. And I know that sounds crazy, but I think he's that special oh, of a wow. player. When you think about his value, just even in the first round, do you think he's worth a first round pick as a running back? Absolutely. Not, no hesitation from me. I put him to the, to the Eagles at 10 in my mock draft several weeks ago. I think he's special, Lord. Like, truly, one of the top five best players in this draft. If you took positional value away, to me, he is Saquon Barkley with better hands. I mean, Ooh. at Texas, he, contact balance was amazing. He can wow. start, stop. He can make jump cuts. And I'll tell you this, he is a fantastic human being. Teams are going to fall in love with him at the Combine yes, during the interviews is. next week. He is focused. He is driven. I've talked to trainers. I've talked to coaches, rival coaches. No one has a bad word to say about Bijan Robinson. So, yes, he's a running back, but I think he should be a top 10 pick. I love it. Um, RC, by the way, trains with him. So, tune into the combine next week. You're going to get a lot more insight on exactly yeah. who Bijan Robinson is as a young man. We got a lot more coming your way here on NFL Live. And up next, despite a slow start, the Lions won eight of their last 10 games, narrowly missing a playoff berth. Hear why Mina thinks they need to draft a top quarterback if they want to be contenders anytime soon. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. New segment alert. This one's called Put Some Respect on His Name. Respect Birdman style. They're going to be asking, is he finished or is he done? I've got a true Dark horse, Isaiah Hodgins. Fires it deep into the end zone, touchdown Giants! Isaiah Hodgins! Then we're gonna do a segment called Put Some Respect on His Name. I'm gonna give y'all somebody with three of them. Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I'm going Zach Siler, defensive tackle for the Miami Dolphins. It's out of the ground! The Dolphins are gonna pick it up! Touchdown Miami! Mike Hilton, who might be the best blitzing DB in the NFL. He also should put respect on his name. Forget the CT. Yeah, take that CT off. <laughs> I love it. A 
Okay, um, well, as RC astutely pointed out earlier in the show, it is the off season, but that doesn't mean we can't put some respect <laughs> on a couple names right here, okay? We're going to focus in on the free agent class, looking for new deals in the next month. Mina, you first. Who needs some more love when their names get brought up? <laughs> Love that photo of you. Um, you know, this segment is about the less heralded names, and I'm going to go with a guy who's kind of become a little bit of a journeyman. That's uh, edge rusher Arden Key, who was with San Francisco for a year. This last year, he was with Jacksonville, and he did what he did with the Niners, which is disrupt the quarterback. He has great inside-out versatility. They moved him across that defensive line. Not big sack totals, but ranked 30th in the top 30, pardon me, in pressures in the top 15 in quarterback hits. He could be the key that unlocks another defense if someone is smart enough to sign him this offseason. I'm going I'm going CJ Gardner Johnson. He showed in the playoffs and also what he did for Philadelphia throughout the year that he can be a premier middle of the field safety in this league. The way he flashed, especially making tackles against Kansas City was absolutely phenomenal. And the thing I love about him is that he just wants to work and wants to be great. By the time I got to my hotel after the Super Bowl, he had already DM'd me on Twitter, let's work. And so if you have a player who plays that way and wants to continue his road to greatness, you better give him the bag. I love it. Uh, guys, let's get into Detroit here a little bit, okay? Because somewhere on a cruise ship, Dan Orlovsky is smiling because we're talking about the Lions, okay? Either way, the Lions <laughs> were one of those teams last year that nobody wanted to play, right? And then Dan Campbell's squad won eight of their last ten games this offseason. They pulled off the significant move of keeping both offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. We really noticed yeah. that, thought it was big. The Lions do have some big decisions to make, though, this offseason. Detroit currently holds four picks in the first two rounds of the draft, including sixth and 18th overall. They currently have $21 million in cap space after the release of Michael Brockers, and they're coming off a year where they ranked fifth in scoring offense while posting their first winning record since 2017. Mina, if you are in that Detroit front office, where is your focus this offseason? I hate to say this because I was so impressed with Jared, Jared Goff did for this team. I love the Lions story, but I do think they really need to seriously consider drafting a quarterback, in part because I love this team so much. Like, this team is going to be a case study for how to rebuild the mm. right way. They are so headed in the correct direction. I think that they are positioned to become, you know, a true playoff contender. And while Jared Goff played at a high level and good surroundings, and we've seen him do that over the course of his career, I do think they have to ask, is there a quarterback in this draft who can elevate his circumstances? A, a truly special player that likes to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with, you know, Patrick Mahomes, etc. And, and the other thing I would think, I would worry about is if I'm Detroit is, we're going to be good. We might not be in this position again. So it's going to mm -hmm. depend on their internal evaluation of the quarterbacks, but I think they need to at least consider it. This just brings me back to the office when Michael was in his office and he finally got the girl and she left. And not in these words, but he said, my, that's when your girl ain't your girl no <laughs> more. That's exactly what I feel like happens with Jared Goff, right? Like Jared Goff oh. can get you right there, and then you feel like you need to take that next step. And now looking at their draft capital, also the way that they built this team, they're going to look for that extra step that gets them to a position where they can com compete for a Super Bowl, where they can compete for an NFC North championship. And so when you start to do your evaluations of these quarterbacks, when it gets to the Will Levises and the Anthony Richardsons, if they're still available, I think you're going to 
look at the upside and potential of those guys and maybe pull the trigger on drafting one. Yeah. Again, Detroit holding four picks in the first two rounds of the draft, including sixth and 18th overall. We got Mark Hutman your way on NFL Live today. Guys, after the break with the GOAT hanging up the cleats, how will the Buccaneers fare with the new QB at the helm? Hear why Mina thinks sticking with Kyle Trask could actually signify the blueprint of their future. She'll explain. And it must be extremely warm in Ryan Clark's house right now. He's been toweling himself off every single commercial break and even sometimes in segment. RC, you want to turn the AC on in there? What's going on? <laughs> I had to, I rode the Peloton before we started the show. When I took the shower, I couldn't cool off. Alex Toussaint had me too fired up. Golly, guys. I can't believe you do me like that, Mark. <laughs> This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, if you're not watching the XFL on ESPN, you are missing out. It's been a whole lot of fun here now just a couple weeks in as they launch week two last night. The Seattle Sea Dragons hosting the St. Louis Battlehawks. We picked this one up, 126 to go in the game. Seattle down 17 to 12. Fourth and goal, Ben DiNucci finding Jordan Vesey in the end zone for the score. The Sea Dragons would go for three and not get it. You can't go for three in the XFL. They lead. 18 to 17. Seven seconds left in the fourth for A.J. McCarron and the Battlehawks. Third and three from the Seattle 35. McCarron finding Austin Prohl over the middle. He calls timeout after getting Seattle to the, tw to the Seattle 26. And on comes Donnie Hageman with the game-winning field goal. Hageman from 44 yards out nails it. The Battlehawks come back to win 20 to 18, improving to 2-0 on the season. Love to see that. All right, and week two continues Saturday on FX with the D.C. Defenders and Vegas Vipers and Sunday the Brahmas and Guardians on ESPN at 4 Eastern followed by the Renegades and Roughnecks on ESPN 2 at 7 Eastern. All three games also available on ESPN+. Plus. Don't miss them. Let's get to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, okay? And lots of interesting stuff going on there. They currently have just one quarterback under contract for 2023. That's Kyle Trask. If he ends up being Tom Brady's replacement, it would mark the largest experience gap by a team's week one starter over a two-season period by a significant margin. There have only been two other instances of a 250-game experience gap between week one starters, and that was Peyton Manning to Trevor Simeon with the Broncos and Brett Favre to Mark Sanchez with the Jets. So Buck senior football consultant Bruce Arians, who was the head coach when they drafted Kyle Trask, has no concerns about the third-year QB taking the reins despite his lack of experience. Take a listen. I think we're in good hands with Kyle Trask. I love Kyle. He's been there two years now. 
baseball, Tom worked, how to get there. Blaine Gabbert was a great mentor for him. You know, a guy that worked his ass off to get to where he's gotten, and he works extremely hard every single day. He's, he's got all the size. He's got the arm. He's got the stature uh, of what we like, and he's, and he's mobile. Right now, I, I, I'm very comfortable with Kyle's our guy. Jeff, what else do we know about the Bucks and their feelings about Trask? You know what's funny, Laura? When I started reaching out to people this offseason within the organization, I kind of was like, hey, what about Jimmy G? Hey, what about, you know, like just going down the list? And the response was actually like, hey, like what about Kyle Trask? Like from their end, like he's, we believe that he's actually the best quarterback in the division. And I, I, I say that, you know, jokingly a little bit, but I think they are kind of serious about this. And maybe not from the standpoint that they're viewing Kyle Trask as being the long-term franchise guy. I don't think that they're trying to go that far in their statements, but rather, hey, look, we went all in with Tom Brady the past several years. We are now sort of paying the price for that. We're all on the same page with it. We all understand what we did. We got one Super Bowl out of it. And now we're going to see what we have in this young guy. I don't think it's that bad of an admission on their part. And I don't think it's that wrong necessarily for them to say, let's give Trask a shot. Yeah, you know, when you think about Trask, I think a lot of people have forgotten what he was in college, right? We only saw him in limited play at Florida a couple years ago. So Matt Miller back with us, our draft analyst. Remind us what type of prospect he was, the traits that Tampa liked from him as a Heisman finalist. Yeah, it is hard to remember what he was like there. And so much has changed, I think. But Kyle Trask fits what Tampa wants to do, like Bruce Arians said there. He fits that prototypical pocket quarterback, someone that does push the ball down the field very well. His jump from junior to senior season, that improvement was enormous. Now, he did have Kyle Pitts. He did have Kadarius Toney, who were great pass catchers. But we saw a lot of that, a lot of jump ball. He trusts his guys. He puts the ball in catchable spots. I think we saw him layer the ball really well that senior year to where if it's a back shoulder fade in the end zone, if it's a go route, if it's a slant, he's able to take something off of it, dial up different velocities, different speeds. But I thought he was... The number six quarterback in that draft draft, remember there were five in the first round, but I did have a starter grade on him as, as a second round prospect, someone who if he had some time to maybe clean up his footwork, improve his agility a little bit. He could be a starter in the pros. Yeah, a lot of those highlights we just showed there, he was going toe for toe against Alabama in the SEC championship game in 2020. That Bama team went on to win the national championship. It was really good. Mina, what do you make of this idea that Trask will be the guy in Tampa? You know... Sometimes as a football team, you just got to be honest with yourself about where you are. And I think in doing this, it would signal that the Bucks are being honest about the fact that it's a little bit of a rebuilding point, which, by the way, is fine. And some teams never do that. They're in a division with a team in New Orleans that refuses to do that, <laughs> that shows up every year in, like, a new suit and nobody knows how they bought it. You know, like, it's, it's a different approach. And I think it is one that probably will serve Tampa well rather than chasing a free agent that might not get them over the hump um, because they don't have high draft picks. They don't have a lot of cap space. So it actually makes sense to me that they might sit this year out and then revisit the quarterback question next season. Absolutely. Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Here we come. When you yeah. think about Kyle Trask, if you find a franchise quarterback, then you're excited. If he's not a franchise quarterback, then you work on getting one next year. People don't understand how hard it is to win one Super Bowl. Mm. If you had to sell your organization for three years to win one Super Bowl and then rebuild, you take that every single 
time. Yeah. Tampa understands that, and now they're moving forward. Yeah, just so we know about cap space, the Bucks currently projected to be 58 million over the cap for 2023, over 20 million more than the next closest team in the Saints. So interesting there. All right, guys, we got time for one more thing <laughs> before we go. I know, right? And this is really special to all of us here on NFL Live. A huge announcement today from the Yates family as they are expecting Baby Yates, number two. Field Yates, of course, a wonderful contributor and anchor and analyst on this show. Chapin, his wife, and Baby Kinley. Guys, Baby Kinley is going to be a big sister to another girl. So Field field is so outnumbered, by the way. Baby Yates number two for baby face number one. Yes! I stake and love it. Congrats, yeah. Field. Congrats, brother. Still hasn't shaved. Now we just I mean, I, gotta I see if Trey Hendrickson. Baby, but yeah, those right. I know. He's, he's a well. Trey Hendrickson <laughs> looks like him. Either way, congratulations to the Yates family. And show. we love you, Field and Chapin. We'll see you next week on NFL Wake Live. Put your pants on, guys. Wake up with your pants on.